0: this is the last episode of the year guys and we slayed mm. we fucking slayed we're going campaigning across a new nation
1: the u.s is our backyard let's go own that on
0: average decisions equal on average outcomes. so go for it
2: start to hone in on being unapologetically yourself with oh. zero Fox just, show, just everything. show everything everything and that's, that's what we did and word. so people everything. really started getting interested
0: they're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, people are like, what are you guys doing? I'm Jake the Rover. My life goal is simple: WWE star called Mr. America.
1: My name is Leslie Carls. My nickname is the Panda, and I run this ship.
2: Nick, just Nick. Can I get a midday squares? Midday squares uncensored we are live you guys know the show we talk about entrepreneurship family business chocolate and whatever fucks are on our mind and as always if you want to submit any questions it is middaysquares.com slash podcast questions woo woo we are we, we, this is the last episode of the year guys that's are we, crazy are we ready for uh, the 24 last
0: 24 episodes
2: Is it 24? Today's 24 episodes. Today's the 24th. Damn right we're ready. I can't even... To be honest, I can't even believe we made it to 24 episodes. I remember when this was like an experiment. You remember the first two episodes? Yeah, we've come a long...
0: We've come a really long way. Um,
2: I have a hard time listening to the first episodes.
0: (laughs) Well, they have to stay. I know. They have to stay. It's the OG. And we're not getting rid of the OG.
2: When you listen to the uh, first episodes, it's like the we're all over each other. We're talking all over each other. But I, I, it was funny. I was in the shower the other day and all I was thinking about was, I wonder if there's a way where we can re-record the first episodes. But to your point, we do not remove the OGs from the list. part of growing, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, I think part of what Midday Squares has always been is that transparency of having our, our listeners or our viewers or anybody that's engaged in it see the, the progress so that they understand that, you don't need to be perfect to start something. 1000%.
0: I think going back to grassroots stuff is what we do every day. So, it's like leave it at the grassroots.
2: I think that's a You know what? I think before we even get into the book. <laughs> what, what? Why are you laughing? No, cuz it's it's true. I know, but I think that's a great point to, uh, a great takeaway for the listeners is that stop looking for perfection. Just stop it. Just do, 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 do. There's way more you will get out of doing than actually worrying about if you are ready to do.
1: It will get better over time. Those are the facts, right? You just got to stop talking and just go do.
0: Yeah, well, go. Go. It will either get better or worse. One or the other. It's like it's not going to stay in the middle. So that's what we always say. On average, decisions equal on average outcomes. So go for it.
2: So most important, though, Jock. Jock, Jock. I call Jake something new every time on the show. What are you reading? I see a book. You brought a book today.
0: Yeah. Okay. So one of my favorites ever. So I've read about 24 books too this year. I can't remember these. I don't know know why I'm mixing up. Every
2: three days I see a new book. No, but
0: I I plan on our holiday because we have our holiday in, in four days from now or whatever it is to read about four books. I have eight days. I will read four books.
1: That's messed up.
0: No, no. But you don't understand. I already bought them. So whatever. This book I just finished. It's called Good Company. Arthur M. Blank. Basically, this book was the founder of the Home Depot. He bought the Atlanta Falcons NFL team, and uh, he brought Atlanta United MLS team to Atlanta. This man did crazy shit, okay? I see us through his life. Why? I'm going to read you his values on page...
2: Oh, yes. Page... Welcome to the sermon with Jake Carls, and we are going to be going to a passage in the book. So he is when they built Home Depot, he had six values that he put, that he put
0: through. So the first one is put people first. Number two, listen and respond. Number three, include everyone. Number four, lead by example. Number five, innovate continuously. And number six, give back to others. And what, yes, Nams. The one I realized that Midday Squares is going to get to do a lot As we grow and as we succeed, and we did this weekend, is give back to others. And as we grow the business, we're going to have the capabilities to do more and more and more. And when you watch how he built his businesses, Arthur M. Blank, he does tremendous. Like, he says the feeling of what he gets to do every day is what drives him to be who he is, to work through, he had cancer, he worked through his cancer, he did, He did. he's just an inspiration and this guy has brought energy to every single business but with the same core values. And they're all different businesses. They were all successful. A football team, a soccer team, a stadium he built, ranches, he owns ranches, like these like crazy cool ranches which are completely opposite of everything. And then the first home hardware store to ever be one of the most successful in the world. But he said the values remain the same in every single business But he changed the ideas.
1: No, I was going to say at the end of the day, if they're core values, if you really believe them, if you really live by them, then, yeah, it makes sense that they're tripled down to all of his different uh, businesses, right? Because they're
2: core. In what I was speaking with Jake, like prior to the show, right, you know, Jake and I always have these conversations about this stuff, especially when he's reading books. And I'm interested, the core value that my takeaway from understanding I'm reading this book next, I'm really excited about it is the customers at the center of everything. It's at the center of everything, of every single one of his businesses. When they, tell them the story before yeah. we move on to yeah. what we're actually doing and how this all ties together. Tell them the story of the stadium and the choice he made because that is the perfect example of customer being first. I'm glad you remembered
0: the story. I told you this last week, I yeah. think. So I came into Nick's office and I told him, listen, I need to share this this little excerpt of what happened. They were building a massive stadium, okay, for the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons lived in this crazy old stadium that was just driving people not to come. The customers didn't care to come to the fans. The team was terrible. And he said, we need a new stadium. We need to rejuvenate this city. Revamp. Revamp. He needed the revamp. Atlanta needed the revamp at the time. And he wanted to be, his legacy wanted that for it. So then what he did is when they were building this Mercedes-Benz stadium, they basically came in and his architects, his experts, his management, he went and they showed him these seats. There was two seats. There was the 19 inch seat and the 21 inch seat. So he sat down in the 19 inch seat and he got back up right away. And then he went into the 21 inch seat and he sat down he said, okay, my decision is made. Mm. He got up and everyone else was like, okay, well it's easy decision. His management team said, no, we're gonna do 19 inches cost wise. We could put more seats in there. We can make more dollars.
2: He also wanted to separate so the bigger seats would only be for people that could afford it, you know, club like seats.
0: club seats, right? So they said, we're going to do it for club seats. It's great. And we'll do the 19 inches for the rest of the stadium. We will be able to get an extra 10,000 seats in there. He says, absolutely not. We're going to put 21 inch seats in every single seat because our customers should feel that comfort level when they're sitting there. People thought he was crazy. They said, sir, we're not going to be able to build the stadium. He's like, it's going to need about 15,000 more square footage. He says, I don't care. They need to come, and it will pay off in the long term. And he built a 21-inch stadium, 21-inch seats in the stadium, the first stadium to ever do that.
2: And let me tell you, like I know it from just being a, like a sideline football spectator. Like he changed Atlanta for that. Really? He, his, he, he just changed the, the vibe that was brought back because of that was incredible, which brings us to the show.
1: Actually, I'm reading something.
2: Oh, yes. Liz, we're going to you on something. So,
1: And you actually saw me reading this morning. I woke up at 5 a.m. and I decided to just jump out of it's bed. It's been
2: beautiful to watch you just do your thing in, in the condo and, and read.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I'm really moving slow, but I keep Jake <laughs> in the back of my head, which is... Consistency is key. Doesn't matter how long it takes you to read the book; just keep pushing forward. And so, just
2: have fun with it. It's not. It's it's not homework.
1: Exactly. So I'm reading "Designing Brand Identity" by Alina Wheeler, and it's an incredible book. It's a very easy read. Anybody who's um gonna be going into branding or works in branding uh, should read this book. I'm getting tons of insight. I'm also. Um, getting reassurance in a lot of my thought process and a lot of things I do and push forward and fight for here. So it's pretty cool to, to see it, read it. And there's a lot of visuals in the book. So I do recommend it. I'm only on page like 30, but I am enjoying the read. And if it takes me a year, it takes me a year, but I'm actively pushing forward.
0: Babe, it's a new habit. It's hot. Yeah. And also that it's a mentor. Thanks, it's, a, babe. it's like a mentor. I love boys. it.
2: That's what people A book it. is a mentor. You don't need to meet your mentors. Another takeaway. You don't need to meet your mentors.
1: You always said, you used to say prior to MDS, you would say um, you are who your friends, who you are.
2: You're the average of the people you surround yourself by. You're
1: the average of the people you surround yourself by. But you also said it doesn't need to be people that you actually know personally. It could be the books that you read. It could be the, the information you associate yourself with.
2: I think that was one of the main things that I got into when it clicked for me in the reading zone was that i realized that the people i was hanging with were books (laughs) and i see you're hanging with books too because at the end of the day if you don't have access to these great people to hang with them in real time well you can hang with the words that they wrote it's just as good tons of wisdom in these books i love that quote yeah no it's it's fucking hot i fucking love it (laughs) Could we go into one takeaway before we go so far in that book before we get into the actual show
1: so symbols are really important um humans can easily identify things when they see symbols. So I don't know if you guys know the K from Kellogg's or the A from Amazon. Um, They don't even need to put their name at this point in there. They are just people are able to identify the brand through a symbol. And so they say symbol first, color, and then really name because there's still um, debunking of words when you have a full name.
2: Hello. This goes back to Egyptian times. They right. used hieroglyphics. Like, think yeah. about it. The first languages were not even words. They were symbols. They were things because the abstract, the mind could just trigger them quickly. What's our symbol? We don't know yet. We don't know We haven't, yet. haven't figured it out yet. Well, hopefully after the book. <laughs> Yo, shout out to the go-to was forgotten by Les on this show. Nike. Hello, the tick. Yeah, the
1: tick. Oh, of course. Yeah.
2: The book talks a lot about Nike. All right. Na 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 na. We are getting live to go and trek into the US. I said we were getting live, we were getting ready to go into the USA. Guys, today's show is really for the listener. Let's let's try to really distill how we think about countries, how we think about that launch. We've talked about it in Canada, but the USA is a whole other ball game. So, we just raised 4 million dollars. 4 million US fresh powder. Um and the number one reason why we raised it is because we needed our artillery to go into the U.S. and actually have a successful launch. And I think what people don't realize is that the importance of having a successful launch is having foundation and piping set up. It's the boring part, but that's that's it. So for me, when you go into launching, the number one fucking thing you guys got to do is take out that big old map. And I'm talking old school map. Shout out. To uh, Michelle and Sophia, I I walked in and I saw them working. Those are our sales team. They were working on this beautiful map of the United States of America. And it reminded me of how important it was because I use Google Maps religiously, how important it was to feel, touch, see it on the wall and, and start getting your brain in the mindset that you are about to run a campaign. oh yeah tell me about campaigning i think it's the most important thing that people don't they, they just don't use that word it's not
0: used in business it's not it's used in politics right you go campaigning for you know your election we're going campaigning across a new nation to build our awareness to get people to feel what we feel here in canada we want them to feel it and the only way to do it is to go out there and campaign and you got to treat it like it's your last. you got to treat it like there's a goal time. Basically, you're you have to be elected by June 12th, and you
2: need to go hard. You need to just go, but it all needs to be properly planned. Boom. And that is the key, and that is why we said the word campaigning, is that if you look at the United States of America, it's very overwhelming. Okay, we're talking 365 million people, a lot of space to cover. But the second you start to think about it in a campaign, It starts to be broken down into regions. Who do you need to win? Who are the people that will decide the election? Um, And that's the exciting part about the show that we're going to get into kind of the psychology around it. But there's the main thing I would say to a lot of would-be entrepreneurs in this space specifically. I can't speak to software or anything because we're dealing with food. We're dealing with shit that needs to move. Mm -hmm. Warehouses are needed. All this jazz is that, if you are starting in another country and you're going into the USA, you need to have proper foundation because here's the key. If shit starts to pop and you are not ready, that beast is very hard to tame once the rodeo starts. Um, and, and, I, you know, Les, I want to come to you on this one because it's really something Les in the last five months has been not holding us back. That's the wrong word, but very cautionary of how we were expanding the business because the machines weren't ready.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a, a heck of a few months getting everything up and running. We ran into a bunch of implications. Um, we're innovating, right? And so we built the machines based on a theory. And then we received the equipment. We set it up. And when the minute we turned the machines on, there were instant problems. And I was aware that that was going to be the problem. But our problems weren't problems that you could fix. We actually are waiting on new pieces um, to arrive where we had to bring in specialized engineers on top of the engineers that we originally brought in. And so we've been doing a ton of r and a ton of testing, a lot of back and forth between the manufacturers and ourselves. And finally, finally, last week, for the first time mm. ever, we ran a full productions day on the line. Oh, so it was- sexy so sexy. That's the right word. It was so sexy. And actually, Fred, our plant manager, taught the team. Together, they ran the line without any engineers, without any any service engineers, without any external help. The MDS team ran the line and we slayed. Mm. We fucking slayed. So, you're right, Nick. I have been holding you guys back because making the product by hand, we don't promote this, but our product is artisanal. It is complex. To make it, you need to have patience. You need to give a fuck. And, and you need to have serious quality control because the manual process is hard. And so if I would just say go and and you know, let's go nuts, let's take on Costco, let's take on Walmart like people want us to do and like they've asked us for, we would shoot ourselves in the foot. Oh yeah. Because the minute we scale the the, the product up by hand, we are going to run into implications of quality control. And
2: you only get one shot.
1: You only get one shot. And the minute, you know, we know this, the minute you turn a customer off, mm-hmm. which has happened, it's it really hard. Inside. It ki- it It kills.
0: How,
2: it, it, how much does it hurt when we well, turn a customer and off? And it
1: happens.
2: But it, you bring it back
0: to the point, the center of everything is the customer so? You're if you're rushing the production because Nick and I are opening up the world and back, and you know you're not holding us back. Your quality control starts to diminish, 100%. and then the customer sees that product and says to himself, "It's not that t- sick. This is not sick. Like yeah. who are who's this coming?" Then our team, our customer, team has to go make up for it. Yeah, and that's a lot of energy and time put into this. Imagine that
2: on scale. Of course, it's, it's crazy. Lot. It's simply just not worth it. And it took me a while to to come to that understanding, but. Because it, it hurts. It hurts. Like, if you were listening, we said no to Costco, not because we don't want to be there, because we weren't ready to be there.
1: And that's a pro tip, to be honest, for any entrepreneurs that are listening. I've heard horror stories about Costco where companies, Costco's reached out, they've seen the product, companies just starting out, they go, oh, we're getting a Costco order. Let's go invest a serious amount of money in building a plant. Then they do it, and then Costco, two, three months later, takes them off the shelf.
2: And or they, they mess it up, or they mess it up yeah. and get charged huge fines for not delivering on time, all these things. There's a
1: lot of things, but I did want to circle back and, and finish my thought on the manufacturing side, which is we're officially ready to take on the USA. <laughs> oh, <snaps. laughs> and 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 more than that, I feel confident that we can produce the, quant- the, 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 the quantities that are going to be requested of us with the quality that we live by i
2: I saw it in her eyes that's why we're ready for the usa why usa so two reasons the usa is the biggest
0: consumable market in the world they purchase they love to buy things so that being said as we grow we obviously want to build our markets the u.s has tons of opportunity and our category is built there Our category of refrigerated bar space is already developed. That means there's a space for us. There's a place, and there's customers ready to go. There's a home. There's a home. But here in Canada, we had to go dig that up. We had to go build that customer base. It wasn't something that was here before. So we're going into a market where it's ready for us.
2: I would say that another point that – because we've been asked, why not Europe? Why not – Here's the thing, guys. We are trying to build a brand, a top five global brand. If you don't understand that the United States of America is the number one country in setting the tone of pop culture, Mm. forget even just the consumer. Is that or is it China? No. China looks to the USA. They have the hip-hop stars, the NBA, which is one of the most influential in terms of where the transcendence of pop culture, you know, Mm -hmm. exists. Um, If you go look what's cool in China and Japan usually stems from what's cool in the US. Yes, they do their own thing, but there's this seal of approval mm-hmm. when it comes to brands. They the world loves brands from the US. So if like we can't go into Europe and try to become a top 5 brand and just pretend like the US doesn't exist,
1: yeah, and also the U.S. is our backyard, right? Like, let's go own that. We have the ability to get the manpower down there. We have the ability to, to spread the awareness, you know, and, and it's Europe is far, and it's a completely different market that we'd have to study and understand. Like Jake said, we do have a a, a a big understanding of the USA market. It is similar to Canada. There are the differences. And I was recently asked this question on a podcast, which is, do you think it was it's easier to launch in Canada first versus the USA? And I actually said no. Could Canada answer. is harder because uh-huh. for our division we've had to change planograms. We've had to fight for placement in the fridge. We've had to educate the customer on why we're in the fridge. We've had to educate people on where we are mm-hmm. and not to look for us in the chocolate aisle or the protein bar aisle. And so it has been really hard to get the brand started in Canada. And like you said, USA is open and ready and, and, and is very developed.
2: Before we get into a few takeaways of how to distill and break down the actual country, I do want to say on that point is I agree. Canada has been hard. But to anybody listening, it is very important that when you launch, focus on where your network is the strongest. I really believe that. I agree. I really believe that. You need to get a few of the sparks. It's like an engine. If you don't have the fucking sparks going to ignite it, it don't matter what you got. You can't start the engine. Um, so so start wherever your network is strong. It doesn't even need to be your home. If you went to university somewhere, just start with where your network is strong. Okay, the US, super huge. Let's distill it down for our customers though. And I'm gonna start with a story from Malcolm Gladwell and then we're gonna start breaking it into this. In the US, you have 300 and whatever million people, but the key is, is that you really only need about 5000 people to think and speak about your product to almost touch the entire United States. So just think about that. How it's big of a mind fuck is That's that? That's a huge mind fuck. Huge. That all of a sudden you are looking at a country and it looks kind of small because you only need 5000 people to really get it. That's give motivating. So I, and 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 so you might say, "Well guys, how how is that possible?" Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole fucking book on this. It's called The Tipping Point. Okay, and here's the key that they discovered was in the 90s, so 1995 specifically. Hush Puppies had this resurgence of their shoe. Literally in 1994, sales were almost at zero for Hush Puppies. Wow. And then all of a sudden in 95, the owners of Hush Puppies start to see that there's this ticker happening, like there's there's action, people are demanding the product, they're getting calls in, and they're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Next thing you know, 1995, 1996 end up being the biggest sales years ever for Hush Puppies. Wow. So, Gladwell and his team did some research. They discovered that there was a handful of kids in Soho, New York City. Handful, can count on the hands, that were going to thrift stores and buying Hush Puppies. And the reason why they were buying them is they thought they were cool because nobody else had them, that look. Wow. And that group of people were so influential in the fashion scene in New York City that it started to spread like wildfire. That is what happens. Like, I think it came down to like 17 people were responsible for the United States resurgence of hush puppies over three years. 17 wow. fucking people. That's nuts.
0: But I think something really important to add on to launching that in the US is is. The media you have to ignore the media and i'll tell you why come you hear about companies that have had great successes launching this national dist- national partner and boom you're at 10 25 30 50 70 million in sales that doesn't happen for everyone survivorship bias exactly and you need to go in and this is our what we're doing is not focus on the national big one we're not focusing on that we're going local you win battles locally you win the battle locally. And guess what? In back to campaigning, elections are won at the local newspaper, at the local the local networks. That's how people win because that's where the news cycle is. You need to do that. So I don't like hearing those stories. Oh, let's launch um, Albertsons across. And guess what? You're going to blow up. It doesn't work like that. We're a fresh product for a So 90 to 120, to 120 days, I think we're working on the 120 days. But we're going to go small, very small, and make sure that the brand is volume up, And it's building so that when it gets to those stores and it's landing on those shelves, oh, my God, Midday Squares is there. Oh, my God, I got to get it. Not just, oh, put it everywhere. This needs to thrive high, and that's what we're focusing
2: on. So the brand, I want you to get into that, is that basically the most important piece there is that your brand needs to be front and center with the people that are influential. Now, how are we doing this, though? This is really, really, really important. Guys, the software is called grin.co it will change your life. It is expensive, but it is worth the investment. Um, they did not pay us to say that. <laughs> and here's the reason why. We take each state. So our sales team goes and basically presents us with how what the plan of attack is in the United States. We then take the areas that we feel are the key to reverse engineering Who sets the trend for the United States? Now, I'm not going to tell you that stuff, uh, guys, because you got to go do your own homework. But I will tell you the tools to use. Um, Google Trends will help you with this. That's another key takeaway. Um, Is that basically you go into Grin and you start to decipher down the states that you want. You can even get down to a city level. And you start to look for those 17 kids in Soho. The 17 kids that set the trend nationally. And you look at the type of engagement that they're having and what their reach is. You're able to see literally technology today allows you to take a a person that's somewhere and say, oh my God, their voice reaches this region. Come on. That did not exist 10 years ago. Insane. And by doing that, you start to narrow in on what the broadcast will be for that region and all of a sudden the people in that region start to feel like you're everywhere even though you're not everywhere they start to feel like you're everywhere because the people that are talking about it are the right people and so grin.co super important it will change your life like i said it is expensive um, but but i'm telling you the roi is there going back to what we were going to talk about on that success les what do you feel about spending money to acquire users. And since we've charted Midday Squares, how has your mind changed around endorsement deals and stuff like that? Because I feel like audiences are very scared um, about spending big dollars to do partnerships with anywhere from bigger influencers to celebrity. And I want to get your take on that because then I want to take something home.
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I heavily believe in it. I mean, I I think... You know, finding the person that rep- could represent your brand or believes in the same values or believes in the product that you're pushing, there's no better person to, you know, speak to their audience or promote the brand than them, right? So using the software, finding the right partners, and then negotiating a deal. Nobody's going to do anything for free in life. So
2: they— But, but how has it changed your opinion since you've started? I get that you believe I in it. I always
1: believed in it. It hasn't changed my opinion. Big
2: dollar partnerships.
1: I believe in it, 100%. I I think that we're going down that avenue of testing it out and trying these things and seeing if they're going to work for us, but I definitely believe in it, and I think that it's super valuable, and you need to find the right partners to partner up with to build your brand.
0: Jake, I didn't believe in it. Yeah. So I have the answer that you're actually looking for. Yeah. as we started Midday Day Squares, I didn't believe in big endorsements or any of those things. I always believed you can go find them um, for free. But then I learned, Leslie, which is important that you said it before, is that people have worths and their worth is what their worth is, and people deserve it. And just like I would want it, just like you would want it, yeah, you would they, want they it. They
1: built their networks yes,
0: it, and they worked hard at it, right? 100%. So respect to that. But I didn't look at the cost per acquisition as a way of you know in ad buying and, and celebrities. I thought you just pay your bill, whatever they ask for. If it's twenty fifty hundred thousand you paid and it didn't make sense in my eyes because i was like well that's expensive how does that make sense are we getting like what's happening then when you started talking about it this past three months with us i start to look at it very differently and i start to look at it which I think you're going to take it home is yeah it's it's a whole other yeah. way of looking yeah it's math but it's a formula and you've You've stuck it in my head that there's a different perspective. I have a different perspective now on any endorsement deal, and I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared if you told me that you're going to get Wayne Gretzky.
2: Yeah, I ain't scared. Well, (laughs) that brings us to Gwyneth Paltrow. So we're negotiating a deal, and I think this is – Something we wanted you guys to listen to and, and take away is that number one we have you know who are we to be negotiating with Gwyneth Paltrow? Uh, we didn't have any connections to her guys. I just googled Gwyneth Paltrow's agent manager. I can't remember how, but you end up finding an email, and I sent out a bunch of emails to different managers. But her manager actually got back to it. her manager actually got back to me, um, and so we've been talking. And I think the number one most important thing is when we've been negotiating. I said, listen to me here is the down payment we can give, but I'm happy paying a million dollars for this endorsement, here's why. If I'm going to spend a million dollars, when I take that million dollars and divide it by how many first time customer orders we received, it better equal the fucking number that I have in my head. And the way we came up with that number is it's, it's a cohort analysis. This is something you can Google and you got to figure out what your lifetime value is of, our, of a customer and what you're okay with spending. We've come up with that number. And so for us to spend a million dollars on an endorsement, no problem. But like I said, when I divide a million dollars by the amount of first-time orders that came in from that endorsement partnership, it better equal that number or else we've overpaid for it. And it can be on a variable cost. And so... The number one thing I've learned so far is that there is no straight way to do a deal. You can do a deal however you want, as long as you're adding value to the people. Basically, at the end of the day, when you're negotiating deals, it's super important that you just do what's good for you. And you're not going to win all the deals that you do with it. But what I will tell you is do your first deal, do your second deal, and then all of a sudden, your mind's going to go like this, (laughs) Your it mind will, yeah, your mind will explode. It will open up and you will be able to start seeing things differently. Another super key thing, Jake, take us through the relationships and how we've decided that we, we just straight up pay people for relationships and I'm not even celebrity, just random old folk and how that works and in going into regions. Yeah.
0: Relationships is everything and you. Most are, I think you could pay for it, but the, some of them you gotta find. You just gotta build your network in the area. So, this week alone, just this week, four of my past people I've worked with have called me. I don't know why. Crazy. It's just random. And these are four NFL players. Simeon Rice, who's in legend NFL. Legend. Freddie Mitchell <laughs> called me yesterday. Freddie Mitchell's <laughs> a Philadelphia Eagle. He called me, and then I called him back, and he's like, you called. I'm like, no, you called. What's up? He's like, did you get rid of your ex girlfriend? Because we had a talk about but it. But going back to our six years ago, how did you even find these people?
1: I still find it crazy that NFL players they call just me nonstop call you on Facetime to chat.
0: But here's what I'm gonna tell you. Here's the lesson. Yeah. So, that, so then Robert Nelson calls. And he played for the Texans for a bit. He's asked me, I'll never forget. I said, dude, what's going on? He's like, I'll never forget because I asked him for help because I'm coming to Phoenix, so he's gonna help me with his network. But I'll never forget. He said, he said, listen, Jake. He's like, you helped me in 2015, whenever it was, 2014, you brought t-shirts. Listen to this. I brought t-shirts for kids an NFL camp for him. He says, I'll never forget what you did for me. Without those shirts, those kids weren't smiling. Wow. The little thing you do for someone comes back way. in massive. So he's okay. like, you come to Phoenix, you have a house to stay, you're here to play, you come, I introduce you to everyone, every single person here. I said, really, man? He's like, call me the second you get here. You're going to be in my stores, you're going to be here. And that just made me feel like holy shit. When you network, when you really do real networks, and you are genuine and you care, and you give people you give people love, and you fake. don't just fake it. You don't realize that your superpower is, is net. No, is networking. Period. Like,
1: You are on fire on LinkedIn. You are on fire on Instagram. People want to work for you for free. People want to chat with you. People want to be your friend. Your superpower is networking and you need networking to build relationships. It is so valuable and so important.
2: But people think that you need to have the network. That's The one thing Jake taught me in this journey and everybody listening could learn from is you don't need any fucking network. You just start going – when you – you. I don't know how you found these NFL people. I think you just found them on Instagram and just hit yeah. them up, right? I, can I tell the secret? Yeah. It's very simple. Secret we're going to start boss. We're gonna
0: start doing it for Midday squares. So I haven't done it yet. You basically go to a picture, an old picture of theirs on Instagram and it has low amounts of comments. And you write, hey, hey, Andre Troll. Let's say that's his name. You go, I have a great idea. Please DM me if you're interested. And then they DM you. What's up? And then, and then you <laughs> FaceTime me, I need to get on a call. And then at the time, I was doing that in the hundreds. I think I hit 750 NFL athletes, and then they start talking within each other. Oh, yeah, I saw you did that with that. <laughs> so you become this legend, Montreal, kids sitting in Montreal talking to the whole NFL, you know? Yeah. But That's so I think what you're talking about is network's super important. And oh LinkedIn my God. is a great tool, and I didn't know it's free. Well, if unless you have the, yeah, I paid for the premium one, but it's free more or less, and you could reach out to people. Best $49 a month you'll ever spend. In your life. So I have these two guys I met. In Utah, Kimball, legend, and Corey, two legends. They're buyers at Harmon's Grocery Store.
2: By the way, we're going to have them on the show. That's confirmed. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're,
0: their minds are incredible. But these two people are helping me so much. I talk to them every single day. It all started with I hit them up in a comment. I hit a comment on them. I answered a, a thing randomly. Next thing you know, they're introducing all kinds of people. We've started our network in Utah. We've started our network in Utah, and when we get there – I could go stay at their house. And it's a big network. It's a huge network. But that's what you got to do. You really need to hammer down your networks and your regions and use them to
2: help you build the noise. Which goes back to distilling a campaign as if it is a political campaign of strategy. Guys, don't just spray and pray.
1: Exactly. But hit on every angle. Hit on Instagram. Hit on LinkedIn. Hit on partnerships. You know, hit on the gr- hit the ground running and and. Find a zone that you want to do that with. That way you do have that strategy of hitting the 5,000 instead of the multi-million amounts of
2: people
1: people that you need to hit, right? So,
2: No, no. no. It, it, It really comes down to once you're in the mindset of being a fucking campaign, it will change the game. Jake brought up a really good point that is very important as we're wrapping up. We're coming to the wrap up of the show is... These tools are out there, guys. The internet is the most beautiful place in the entire world. Agreed. But, 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 you can't show up and do everything else that everybody else is doing. Because that goes back to what we preach as a company is you're just being average. So don't message people and take from them. Message people and tell them, what could I do for you? Add value to their lives. Don't go in with an angle. Stop fucking having predetermined angles. I
1: agree and just with that.
2: be there with an open heart. Be good vibes and really be there to be interested in, in in creating friendships and and getting shit done on that level. And that will take it uh you know very far for you.
0: Be yourself. And and that's why I'm succeeding in this new networking strategy that I'm doing on LinkedIn is I'm hitting people up with the most whack things I've ever said in my life. I don't even know what I'm talking about half the time, but I don't talk about midday squares. It's not about the business with these people, with the buyers, with the with these with these bankers. I bring you with these people, Larry Golko. You're speaking to yeah. tomorrow, a legend in Boston, Larry <laughs> yeah. Golko. We check him out on Google.
1: Larry, we have a
0: great call with him tomorrow. But it's just about being you, and 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 they're gonna love you or hate you. And if they if they love you, you're you're gonna excel We've that relationship.
1: Nothing to, to lose. lose.
0: But people are scared because society tells you what are you supposed to write. Hey, Mr. This or Hey, Mrs. This. No, relax, babe.
1: If they don't answer, they don't answer. Who cares? Who really cares?
0: If they don't answer, I send more videos.
2: (laughs) (laughs) On the last piece, another big thing that we've seen is our media efforts really starting to pay off. Yes. And I think the key here is, is that the networking works really well for us because we're putting tremendous amount of effort into attracting people and keeping them. And so when our network that we're doing network activities with have never heard about us, and then they show up to look at us, they're interested because what we're doing is generally different. And so that's a thing that at the beginning was unquantifiable. Our investors would always tell us at the early, you know, there's a lot of, you know, expenditure happening in media and and we can't really justify the return. Well, the return is that when we reach out to the Gwyneths of the world and their managers look at us, this is a company I want to work with.
1: Right. This is a company that understands content, you know, storytelling. And so it's it's really incredible. And they go down these rabbit holes um, and then they're like, this brand is wild, you know, and, and then they, they, they feel connected. They feel like they know us. And that's key.
2: The most important, and that's where it says media is key. It's your hook to retaining your audience and your network as you build them. It is really everything. And Les, you've done an incredible job this year at building that media team. Uh, the stuff that's coming out of your area is just fire.
1: Thanks, guys. No, I think, you know, my revelation to close out the year of 2020 is that I want to spend all of my time with the media team, making sure that we make people feel like they feel that they know us, even if they never met us. I want them to feel like they're our best friend. They're our neighbors. They can go to our house if they need almond milk. That's (laughs) the vibe. When someone goes to the, the store and they tell their friends, oh, I just bought a midday square from Jake or Nick or Les, their friend's like, who is that? And They're like, oh, this brand. Like, I don't even know them, but I know them. And, like, their product's great, you know, you got to try them. So, like, I want that type of connection. And that's what we're working hard on right now um, at Midday Squares is to continue that storytelling to really make sure that people connect and relate to us.
2: Great takeaway. Jake, what's your takeaway for 2020?
0: Just go. Just yes. no, but that's I'll, not. Don't make I, me break something no, because, because that was crazy. No, I'll tell you, it's not a good <laughs> don't make me break I'll something. Tell you a good example. We found out that I have a great network in Phoenix. I'm going to Phoenix first now instead yeah. of LA first. Yeah. So I, I I pivoted. I'm going and I'm showing up there. I don't care what they do. I'm staying at their house. <laughs> Whatever happens, happens. And that's what 2020 is about. Be okay to change and, and be able to pivot and just go. But trust me, when I'm on the floor there, don't we, I'll make room. I'll, I'll start making things happen because it's not – you don't understand. It's just gonna. I'm just going with the mentality of.
2: <laughs> I want to come, so come, babe. You you can come. Do your media from there.
0: I know. I know. I don't know if
1: we're there yet, but soon, soon.
2: 2020 for me uh, has been the year. My biggest takeaway is really start to hone in on being unapologetically yourself, with wow. zero Fox given. Three two, one. one. Olé, 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 Midday Squares Uncensored. As always, questions at middaysquares.com slash, slash, podcast questions. Go out in 2020, uh, 2021. I, I can't speak, guys. <laughs> Go out in 2021 be unapologetically yourself and make unaverage decisions. Let's fucking go.
1: Hands in on the count: 3, 2, 1, MDS.
2: 3, three 2, 1, MDS! MDS.